All right. It's a Friday. And you're locked into the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM. 93.5 FM and online worldwide at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number. It is 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline powered by EBOMD. MD Jess Bolin in the house, ready for the weekend? Absolutely. Bring it on. I'm ready. Going to be chilly today. We've got uh, Red Hawk baseball at Kapaha. Uh Low 50s today, mid-60s tomorrow, 75 on Sunday, Jess. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Baseball weather is not supposed to be that way here in this area, but... Take it for what it is. If it got uh, any kind of decent weather, you got ball games to play. You're gonna have to try to get fifty six games in regular season by when middle of May. I don't know when that tournament starts, OVC tournament, but somewhere in the middle of May or the last week of May. And so they got a lot of games to play. Southeast to start. They kicked up their performance a little bit. They uh, really were struggling there at the beginning, losing six out of seven. But they won that last game against, uh, oh, what was his name? St. Thomas. Yeah, St. Thomas. And then they won against Missouri in convincing fashion. So they're actually going for the third in a row, Eric, today. So This is a Toledo team that is three and four, and they are hitting 200 as a team. So, Well, I think right now that you're going in, you, you're heavy favorites. Unless you're playing at home and everything. But right now, when you're under 500 but three games, you can't take anybody lightly. Simo can't. you got to take them as equal opponents and go out and you know, perform well. Because a lot of times when you think on paper you've got a team outranked pretty bad. I know it's happened to me. Um, you don't get the performance you need. So what happens? You you actually come down on their level of uh excellence and they and they beat you so you don't want to I never i tell you what if i lost to a team that i knew going in was just as good as my team or better that i wouldn't say helped you but you understand that that's a good ball club and they're going to beat some people you know but boy when you lose to a team that you know that you got way more talent than that is unacceptable and it really bothers you as a coach did you get a haircut? I got a haircut. How you like it? We used to call it getting your ears lowered. My hair, which whatever hair I've got, I don't have much. But when it gets longer, you know what it looks like. It grows out over my ears like like a, a rafters on a house. And um, So you've got so, your own built-in ear warmers. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a haircut? I got a haircut. We got a haircut on the same day? Same day. Wow. We're getting too much alike. We're going to back off a little. Yeah. You are. Yeah. So I'm, what do you got going get, for you? Getting, Nothing? I, I was getting a little shaggy. You, you got know. anything going for you? Did you get your car back? Uh, going to get it after the show. Well, good. Good to go. You, they've had it quite a while, haven't they? Drop off that freaking rental car. So uh, right now... 
And again, everybody's playing this different level of competition. SEMO uh, baseball, ninth out of 10 in team batting average, but in terms of runs scored, they are not toward the bottom. And uh, Jess, the pitching staff right now, third in the OVC in uh, earned run average. <clears throat> well, that's and, where you want to be. Not third, you want to be first, but in your you get, your pitching is everything. And if you don't have good pitching, you're not going anywhere. I don't care how rest the good ball club is. Um, but I'm sure every coach feels the same about that. You got to have good pitching. Period. And uh, we've seen some good pitching by Southeast this year, and especially, I mean, they're ranking third, so you know you've seen some pitching, but uh, we've seen some good arms out there on the mound in games at Capitol Park, so I'm sure their pitching won't be something that keeps them from winning. And uh, So, you got a four-game series this week in... Game today at three. Doubleheader. Uh, this doubleheader tomorrow starting at noon. Noon. Shootout, boy. Two games. You know something else, Jess. Simo is number one in the OVC in home runs. They've already hit sixteen home runs. This this team may uh, may be a powerful offense yeah. in terms of the long ball. Yeah, you know, every year we talk about what. Well, uh, as a manager or coach, you have to figure out what kind of team have I got. Is it a team that's loaded with power but not much speed? Or is it a team that's got some speed and you have to play the bunting, running game, hit and run? Or is it a team that's defense and pitching? That's their main stay. So the Steamo Redhawks this year might be a power-laden team. And they do have a little speed also. And it seems as they have a little pitching. So, you know, you could turn that into a really good ball club. What's well, interesting. What, what we've seen so far. Simo's second in the OVC in stolen bases. What I think is an interesting stat. They lead the OVC in home runs. And they lead the OVC in sacrifice bunts. Well, that's. That's an area you hardly ever see. Right. I mean, it's early. It's early. Yeah. We've only played nine games. Yeah, well, a team that bunts a lot doesn't usually have much power. You know, so they're trying to advance runners and get runs the cheap way or the soft way, a lot of guys would say. So right now, they've been able to situationally move runners along. They've been able to hit the ball out of the ballpark, and they've got more team speed, and they're being more aggressive on the bases. So, there you go. Uh, you know, on, Eric, excuse me, on paper, Simo should go out there and take at least three or four. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. On paper. Yes. Well, that we thought that same thing, though, against St. Thomas. We actually thought, Marty included, thought that Southeast would win at least three out of four. And they lost three out of four. So that's what I am mean when I'm saying you can't take anybody like Go out there and thump this team and look forward to the next game. And uh, if you've got the talent, you you know, as an athlete, you need to show it every game, not just games against good opponents. So I think, I think the St. Thomas 
series will help CMO in this series. I really do. I think they'll not that they weren't not that I don't want to say they weren't focused or they weren't trying as hard as they will this series. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that you realize more going into a series that hey, I gotta be at my top performance. You know, so we'll see. Well, one thing going into the St. Thomas series, that team had scored forty nine runs in four games. They had a big offense. Now this team coming in today is Toledo in seven games, they have scored 21 runs and are hitting 200. Well, this is what we're saying is we just underrated St. Thomas. Yes. St. Thomas, the runs they scored and everything in those other games were real. We kind of played that off. I know I did that, hey, you know, they won't do that against Seymour. In fact, I think I made that statement. You can roll back the tape that those big run amounts, they won't do that against SEMO. Well, they did a few games. They scored some runs. <laughs> so And they had a couple of good starting pitchers. Yeah, and their front four hitters, the first four hitters in the lineup were tough outs. They were in the whole series. So I walked away there. I don't know about you, but after that fourth game, and SEMO won that fourth game. But I walked away in that series, respecting St. Thomas's athletic ability and everything else, the ball club a lot more than I did when I walked up. Yeah, their their right fielder is really good. Their three hole hitter. They had three lefties at the top of the lineup, and then the big slugger was a right handed batter. And they had success against Simo's right handed pitching for the most part. But when Hayden Dow stepped out there, the left hander. <laughs> Yes, he mowed down their left-handed hitters. He mowed sure did. them down. They were a non-factor. And you know, I remarked on the broadcast that the, the top three hitters all left-handed. I'd never done that in my life. Stacked three hitters in a row at the top of the lineup like that. That's not to say it's a bad thing, especially if lefties can actually hang in there against lefties, but they look very weak against Hayden Dow. And so I think in that lineup, if you want to use two of those lefties and then put the fourth-place slugger at third slot and break it up a little bit and then come back in with a lefty after the third slot hitter, I think that had been more the way I would have done it probably. But they won three out of four, so I'm not knocking how they done it. <laughs> he knows his ball club better than I do. So last night, the slim... Chances of the SEMO men's basketball team making the OVC tournament were dashed uh, at Moorhead State, who is in a three-way tie for first place with one game left. Moorhead State 72, SEMO 50. Josh Early just took one shot in the game. He set a screen out near the top of the key and then just immediately went down grabbing his left calf limped out of the game, and it looks like his career ends at Ellis Johnson Arena with a calf injury. And without their conference leading scorer, the Redhawks, uh, already they were offensively challenged this year, next to last in the league in scoring in conference games. Uh, without their top conference scorer, it was really hard and they finished with just 50 points. Now, you're playing the best scoring defense in the OVC. There's a reason they're the regular season defending champs and uh, may share the title 
again this year all they've got to do is beat lindenwood they should boat race lindenwood tomorrow so they'll at least have a share i don't know where they'll be seated it'll depend on ut martin and little rock uh but without josh early uh it was going to be tough and uh you know the red hawks gave it what they could but uh they were just a, a little out man this year and there needs to be roster revamping in the off season oh yeah they will uh, they will be i got confidence in coach corn and his staff that uh they'll figure out what where they need some help but i, w- I actually got that game last night on espn plus miraculously it came on i don't know why I mean, you can get it one night next night you want to sell it to you and it's it's taken out of my checking account automatically, so I shouldn't be having that problem, and I get disgusted when I pay for something and can't even get it. I've noticed I've had a couple of glitches with the ESPN app where it says you're not authorized for this channel. I'm like, yes, I am. So I go up, sign out, sign back in, everything's fine. I did that with uh, Hallmark Movies Now, and then I was billed twice. So two or three months in a row, I didn't notice it till my daughter saw it. But um, and it wasn't expensive. I mean, Hallmark movies now I think it's only seven ninety nine a month, so it wasn't like you're going to scream bloody murder. But there's no reason to either pay for something twice either. It's, so, an, it's an outrage. But anyway, I did watch the game. I watched when Early went out of the lineup, he kind of limping out on one foot. You knew he wasn't coming back. When a guy does that, it's severe ankle sprain or something that's really really i saw the replay and you know it was a clean screen yeah i mean there was not contact or anything he just reached down and grabbed his calf and that's bad news well you know you can do that in bed you can be laying in in bed and your calf muscles all at once tightens up i've had that happen a lot of times and thank god i know what to do and you know in case you're wondering folks when an if you are in a prone position of laying that maybe laying down or sitting up in a chair or something like that, you straighten your leg out and you pull your toes towards your face. That will lengthen that muscle in your calf and give it a better chance to calm down. I was hoping it was a cramp. It was not. And apparently yeah, he a, injured his calf last year, too. So, it, yeah, know. you're not going to pull your toes up towards your face and help that. I mean, if it's an injury, that's a different story. Yeah. If it's just a pulled muscle, then you certainly can help yourself. But, yeah, Josh Early had a good career, especially this late last year and early in all the year this year. He was a force. In the, I always thought he could be, didn't you? You saw him early for SEMO. When he wasn't scoring but four or five points a game, six, I always thought, well, there's more there, because he had that little baby hook shot where he and he was a good soft shot, and boy, he used that exceptionally well. This when year, he got when he got minutes, now he played behind behind Nate Johnson yeah. last year, but this year he was the man. Yeah, he was good, and I hate to see him go out. I mean, I remember, remember my high school career. That's the way I went out. Didn't get to play the last game, ankle injury. So I uh, feel for him. I understand how it feels. Whether whether you're going to the tournament or not, it's your last uh, collegiate game that you're going to play. And it's special. You want to remember everything that goes on in that game and everything, but, uh, you know, he's going to miss it. But I mean, sure, he'll be there, but 
not like I was just like I was. I was I was there with an ankle swelled up big as a basketball. So that's a big ankle. It is. Now is it a women's basketball because that's smaller than a men's basketball? I'd say it's more like a woman's basketball. Yeah, you know, but that wasn't as bad as a broken ankle I got. When you look down, you're laying on your back, and you look down, and you can see the bottom of your foot, the cleats on my spike. That's not a good thing. That's how severely that bad that ankle was broken. So, yeah, that's not, like, not going to be good for anybody. Oh, no, gosh. No. Speaking of uh, the women's basketball. That was a big win last night. The Seymour women, big, big oh, victory. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those games where... It's not going to settle the season for you, but it's hard to get road victories. We all know that. And now, even if they lose their last game, they still got a possibility of getting in, don't they? Yes. So that was how big that game was. Three-way ties, Simon wins. So, Lindenwood is a game back. They're going to Moorhead. I don't think they're going to win that game, but they could. And Tennessee State goes to UT Martin. UT Martin has not been uh, that great at home this year. So Tennessee State has a real chance to win. And if they would win and SEMO would lose, and SEMO will be a heavy underdog uh, tomorrow because Southern Indiana is 16-1. and They just won the regular season title. And they throttled SEMO at the Show Me Center. Yeah, the Red Hawks scored 37 points in that game. So they'll be a heavy underdog. I'm not saying they can't pull the upset. I don't know <laughs> if Southern Indiana is going to rest anybody. Don't know. But the Red Hawks will be an underdog. So the Red Hawks, we're all pulling for Martin. You need Martin to win. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what Lindenwood is going to do against Moorhead You know, I'd like Moorhead to see State. the women get there for one big reason, especially couple of years ago in COVID year, you remember, they were the best team in OVC and didn't even get to go to the NCAA. What a disappointment that is for the, that ball club, Enrica Patterson. So maybe to make the tournament by the skin of your teeth, just maybe, there's always a possibility, just maybe they could sneak in the back door and win this tournament in, in Evansville and advance on when you wasn't supposed to. That would be more fitting, don't you think? That's what, what the Red Hawk men did last year. Yeah. They won four games in four days, I remember. I think it's going to be awfully tough to beat Southern Indiana oh, in yeah. Evansville. That's that's where their school is located. Now, they don't play their games at the Ford Center, but they'll be in I Evansville. Remember making a there will be a big crowd for Southern Indiana. Oh, yeah. And I remember making a statement on the, the broadcast that – this is the best defensive team I've seen come in here, men or women. In my, I did every game at home, and I, that's the best I've seen. That that was a shutdown. Uh, they were so quick. Seemed, don't you feel like that in that game? Everybody that received the ball was double teamed. They were that quick. They didn't have a place to pass or nothing. And the thirty-seven points that Simo scored. Sure, they could have shot better when the sh they had the shots, but everything seemed like when a good defense is on you that you rush everything. And you do, because you know there's a window open and it's going to close quickly if you're in a position to get a shot. Remember, I remember saying take the shot early in the shot clock. 
If you get a shot, take it. Because if you pass it around too much, you're going to get a shot clock violation and turn the ball over. That's how good that defense was. So I No, I can't see Simo going in there and winning. be honest with you, I just can't do it. But I can see Martin winning to play at home, that's for sure. Well, they've already played each other. Martin and Tennessee State, it was a long time ago. It was December 28th. It was the first conference game for both teams in Nashville. And UT Martin beat them 75-69 at the Gentry Center. So now it's going to be at the Elam Center. It's going to be senior day and... UT Martin is in second place. UT Martin's got a good team, no question about it. So I, I think, I think, well, what you think doesn't matter. I, I do believe that Martin will win that game. But you know, I, last night most people would say Simo's not going to beat Morehead too. So things happen. You, you just have to play the game. That's why it's. So much fun to follow sports is because it's unpredictable. So there you go. The one thing about uh, the women last night, Jess, they won that game with rebounding and defense. They out-rebounded Moorhead State last night by 10, 46-36, and they held Moorhead on their home floor to 29% shooting in the second half. Remember, the game was tied at halftime. SEMO held them to 29% shooting. Defense rebounding won them that game, and then no one, I'm sorry, not even the Stevens family, thought that Abigail Stevens, who's been a bench player who averages (laughs) three points per game, three, she's a good role player, 16 points, 11 rebounds for Abigail Stevens. She was the story in that game for the Red Hawks. Well, see, for me, she's Josh Early of the women's basketball program. Because what games I've seen her come off the bench, I've, I've in fact, I've remarked on the broadcast that she's really given them a spark. Because she comes in, it seems like automatically she gets three rebounds in the first couple minutes she's in there. And she's good in the paint. She's she's strong. And, you know, that's a big thing. When you're playing deep, you need to be strong. Because when you go up for a shot inside the paint, you're going to get greeted by some body contact, maybe two people on you. And so when you shoot, the chances are somebody's going to have their hand on your arm or bump you out off balance and stuff like that. She's good at that. She's strong got a soft shot inside. I don't think it's the mirage that she had a double-double. I think she is capable of giving so much more to that program, and I think you'll see that in the future. So her performance off the bench, and then you've got Michaela Mayfield, Jess, who averages one point per game. She's been here for three years. Mayfield, 8.6 rebounds off the bench. She had not shot a free throw this year. Went to the line and went two for two. So Mayfield and Stevens off the bench, big performances because Jalea Green, Simo's All Conference player, was three for twelve. She was she was held in check 
by Moorhead State. So they needed Stevens and Mayfield, and man, did they come up big. Okay, let's go back a little bit here. Don't you have to give Rika Patterson and her coaching staff a little credit for what you saw last night with Mayfield and, and Stevens? Because why? She gave them playing time when they weren't playing that great. They weren't contributing that much, but she kept giving them playing time. And now, at least in that game and maybe in, in the rest of the season, it, it's going to pay off for her. So that reflection back and then what you're seeing now is a result of coaching when you know the talent's there, but you're not getting it. And so hats off to Coach Patterson and her staff for wreaking a few benefits last night from hard co- coaching and, and good direction on these girls. And it was not this lopsided free throw foul calls on the road against the Red Hawks. The free throws were almost identical. Simo uh, made 13, Moorhead State made 12. So the game was, was pretty decided, much officiated. Though, yeah, well. decided yeah. Five on five. And I have never seen a player, and she's a great player, Veronica Charles, 24 points for Moorhead. I have never seen a player take the ball into the lane and fall down after every <laughs> single shot she takes. <clears throat> she falls down. What happened to the flopping call? Do you remember we were yeah. getting flopping call? All of a sudden, you haven't seen a flop call since the Reagan administration. What is going on? <laughs> All she did is flop, and the good thing is, they didn't give her all those calls that she was trying to get. I mean, she only shot seven free throws. She's a great player, but it is unbelievable. She falls down after every play that she takes the ball inside. Okay, look at Harris. And she drives a lot. Look at Harris last year. Is there anybody better in OVC than him at going down when he shoots a three? If that guy's on him at all... Remember Harris from shoot a three, and all at once he'd be on his backside. And he got called for a couple of flops. And he got a lot of free throws for that, too. So athletes do that in every sport. They understand the rules, and they stretch them as far as they can go. But I think there's more flopping in hockey than there is in basketball. I've seen guys. You've seen I know you too. don't watch soccer games, man. That sport <laughs> Is the absolute pinnacle of flop. Guy saying, looks like he is shot. Yeah. They have to bring the stretcher out, <laughs> and two minutes later, he's back on the on the pitch, running up and down the field. So soccer is one sport that I don't really care for, but I understand and how other people can really like it. It's just uh, just like st- racing, car racing. I I don't get anything out of that. The uh, Indy five hundred or whatever. Because just cars going around a circle, around a circle, it doesn't do anything for me. But the flop, I've seen guys in hockey, the guy that's trailing them up the ice, just put their stick on their, just touch them with a stick, and all at once it's slashing or holding or whatever, you know. Or you just, just get close to a guy, and he falls down and holds, you know, like he's shot in the face. Uh so that happens in every sport. So people get good at it too. They get good at acting. So as you're watching spring training baseball, kind of the pre the preseason for the regular season, 
Major League Baseball instituted a rule change so far. And, of course, to use your phrase, the Players Association is squealing like a pig under a gate, or at least the head of the Players Association, Tony Clark. After all the success with the pitch clock last year, the pitch clock is going from 20 seconds with men on base to 18 seconds. It will stay at 15 seconds with no one on base. How big was the pitch clock last year? It cut Major League average game times by 24 minutes to 2 hours, 40 minutes. That is the quickest games have been played since Steve Garvey for the Padres homered off Lee Smith in the 84 playoffs and the ball rolled between Leon Durham's legs. That's how long ago it was, 1984, the last time that the average game time in Major League Baseball was two hours and 40 minutes. But, of course, Tony Clark, when it was instituted, two seconds off the pitch clock with a runner on base from 20 to 18. Here's the quote by Clark. That's a conversation that should have warranted a much longer dialogue than what we had. We voiced those concerns. Players voiced those concerns. And yet, the push through of the change to the pitch clock still happened. You didn't negotiate with us because we were would try to hold you hostage for something else. If you're going to do this, then we want something in return. That's all, Clark. He, he, his job is to be outraged by anything yeah. Done by the owners it or is. by the commissioner. That's his job. His job is to be outraged no yeah. matter what it is. And if he wasn't that way, he'd be fired. So what do you think about two seconds coming off the pitch clock from 20 to 18 with a runner or runners on base? Well, to me, it's it's minor. But to and I can understand the owners wanting to do that and Major League Baseball wanting to do that. And then I can also understand the Players Association with their gripe, and here's the reason why. When you got 20 seconds, that means that you've really got 18. True? Because you, you, you can't cut it down to 20 seconds and get by with it because they're going to ring the bell for you. So you've really got a couple, two or three seconds under whatever the clock says. And so it, if you've got a 20-second, a guy's got 17, let's say, really, because he's going to go into his motion and get that pitch there. In less than 20. So then when you push it down to 18, now he's got 15 seconds, maybe 16. You're getting close to where the pitcher has no chance to even get his breath. So I understand that. I I think the initial way of 20 seconds works. And I take the players extend this time by you do get allowed to call a timeout as a hitter. And they use that. If you know Jordan Walker, he takes time out every single time he bats with this two-strike pitch coming. Every time. Watch it. Every single time he calls time out. Because I know it's two-strike pitch, but, you know, that's extra time added to the clock. So I, I can understand both sides of the argument. I've sat across the table too much in my life about people got different opinions. It's okay to have a different opinion, but if you don't listen to the other person's side and you don't try to get 
facts in in the discussion instead of what you want to happen, then you're not being fair to each other. So that's um, one of the things I always put in my negotiations was let's not dilly-dally around here and act like the other person's stupid or the other person's not got a good point when they may very well be right on what they're saying. So uh, this side, and I also believe, too, that what my dad always said, if you want somebody to respect your opinion, then respect theirs. And um, so I, I don't know anything about the negotiations, the, 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 you know, the eagerness of one side to get it done. I'm sure that... Um, it's not going to make a major change in your time of the game or nothing, but it's something that you can't push to the point of really making it tough on a pitcher to be able to have any concentration at all. If a pitcher can't revamp up and throw at full strength in 18 seconds or realistically 17 seconds, you want to get that pitch away, and he can't, maybe hit full speed on a fastball that quickly, some guys, advantage for the offense. We want more offense in baseball. In addition to cutting 24 minutes off the game times last year, Jess, baseball drew more than 70 million fans to the ballpark for the first time since 2017. People were coming out and watching more (laughs) baseball games last year, the most in six previous Okay, seasons. how many is that average per team? 30 teams. That's 2.333 million people coming through the gates for every team, if you look at it that way. So, and now I know you're going to take teams like Detroit, Miami, Pittsburgh. They're never going to get two million, two and a third million. But the whole league benefits from each other as far as the league and two and a third million per team i I don't know if they'll get much better than that do you 70 million coming through the turnstiles you might up that a million or two i think they did before i don't think 70 million is a record no but it's the most since 2017 because i think it's got i'm talking off the top of my head here i could be wrong but I think it's gotten as high as seventy-eight million for a whole season. So, but that could be Google and show that I'm wrong too. So Tony Clark continued his whining uh, by saying, "You know, in opposition to two seconds off the pitch clock, we had the biggest adjustment in this that this league has ever seen in regards to the length of the games and how the game was affected." by including a clock rather than give us another year to adjust and adapt why are we adjusting again what are the ramifications going to be when fatigue happens you're more susceptible to injury we're seeing a lot of injuries and we're seeing them in a way that simply can't remove the question of whether or not shortening recovery time is in anyone's best interest well he's throwing it out there he's got no evidence no but I mean, common sense would tell you if if you don't, your body needs time to recover. I don't care what sport you're playing. If you make a pitch at 100 miles an hour, that's max. That's max effort that you've got. And 
believe it or not, that little few seconds that you got between what we're talking about before, there was no clock, so you were okay. But when you cut it down to 20, now you're cutting it down to 18. Now you're cutting it down to 15 seconds if there's nobody on. Your body has no time to recover. So there you wait and see if you don't get shorter lengths of starting pitchers that they go in a game because they're going to wear out quicker, in my opinion, which I'm wrong half the time at least. But the wear and tear, on it, it's hard to prove this, but the, baseball's got a number for everything. You know that. Stats for every single thing that ever happens. And I think you're going to see less distance in the game by starting pitching if you keep running that clock down just for the repetition and lack of chance to recover just you know that five or ten seconds for a pitcher his body's got a little bit time to recover from a pitch but not much and besides that you don't have any any time for any concentration and thought about the next pitch and believe me baseball is a thinking game it looks slow but it's a thinking game, and you—if you, you don't put any intelligent thought into the game, you're not going to do very well. So I, I'm okay with the clock. I think it's, it's done good. It's done well for what they want it to do. It's cut down time on the length of a game, so that's good. So I'm—I'm I'm in for the rule change. Okay? And can we fact check Tony Clark to a lot? Of pitchers in Major League Baseball have come from the minor leagues. And they've had the 18-second pitch clock for several years in the minors. These guys coming up are already used to the 18-second pitch Absolutely. clock. Absolutely, that's a good arguing point. And uh, so, I, but you know, as a representative of the players, the players have to feel like the guy that's leading them, just like in a union, uh, the, the the head man. You got to feel like that he represents you in every aspect of your job. And so I can understand Tony Clark doing what he does. He, he's oh, trying I understand to, it. Sure. He's trying to keep the confidence of his players that they have faith in but him. But the, the, the mistrust between the two sides is greater than in any other professional <laughs> sport. It's greater than hockey and football and NBA. I mean, the distrust is just... I mean, it doesn't matter what... Where you been? Rob Manfred would come out and say something, and Clark would be, it's an outrage, no matter what it is. Yeah, but where have you been? This country's been that way for years. I'm talking distrust about of the four major with, sports. I know what you're talking about, but it's that way in America, period. You know, two. it's a two-way system. Everybody's got their opinion, and the other person's wrong. That's the way this country is right now. And so... <laughs> And, and, and what's sad is the everyday people in this country, not athletes, not not talking about sports, don't even give the other other side a chance to explain why they feel like they do. But that's that's just the way it is. You got to live with it or leave it. Jess Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the $300 million Japanese pitcher, made his debut for the Los Angeles Dodgers. How did he do? We'll talk about that and more sports huddle coming right back. How about the debut for Kyle Gibson for the Cardinals yesterday? Did you see it? 
We'll recap it when we come back. Sports Huddle, SEMO, ESPN. 0-2, curveball lifted in the air to center. Pretty well hit. Back his peer to the warning track. He leaps. Bon voyage. It's a grand slam. A cannon shot for Bryce Cannon. The bases were juiced, and Cannon breaks out the juicer here in the fifth inning. Whoa, maybe we'll hear more of that. Red Hawks hitting some home runs. They'll play today at 3 o'clock. Bryce Cannon, Grand Slam. That ended Missouri on Tuesday night, and they will tee it up today at 3 o'clock. And play a doubleheader tomorrow at 12 noon. Jess, Yoshi Yamamoto, the $300 million Japanese pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, made his debut two days ago. Yamamoto, two innings, three Ks, one hit. And some are already saying he's going to be the front runner for the Cy Young Award. <laughs> I think it's a little premature. I did see the two innings he pitched, and um, he does look great. He's got a good moving fastball that runs in on right-handed batters, and he's got that devastating slider. Uh, he's he's the real deal. There's no question about that. I mean, to succeed as well as he did in uh, uh, Japan, I guess is where he was pitching, wasn't it? Um that's good baseball over there. They say it's between AAA and the big leagues. One, maybe just a little tink better than AAA. I don't know if it is or not. But that's the way it was always respected and looked upon as Japanese baseball. Korean, Taiwan, all those places are pretty good, but not as good as AAA. So I don't know where they stand there, but. To be that successful, those play people over there, they he was pitching against. No, they know how to hit also. So he's he'll be good in the big leagues. I don't have much doubt about that. Whether they be the best, you're talking about Cy Young. I don't know about that. Now let's see more, or I can make that decision. Well, you're gonna see more. Oh. Opening day, I know. it's going to be Yamamoto on the mound at Dodger Stadium against the Cardinals. You know, I'm going to see more too quick. <laughs> and just the big news, you know, they're looking for stories. Shohei Otani apparently got married. Breaking news, big story, yeah. you know, home run and batting practice. And, uh, you know, they stopped everything for that. Uh, and then now he, uh, he tells teammates that uh, he got married. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um, the one thing good about this great pitcher from Japan starting against Cardinals, I'm pretty sure he'll start game one. Aren't you? Absolutely. Okay. At least early in the season, facing him right now may be better, better than facing him in the last of May because he probably won't go over five. Wouldn't you say first time out, five innings maybe? Oh, yeah, they're going to take care of him. Yeah. So you'll get out him out of the game. So if you can stay close, uh, well, uh, 
close well, to the Dodgers would be that your pitcher shuts them out because he's probably going to shut the Cardinals out for well, five. Well, Sonny Gray's only a five-inning guy anyway. Yeah. So bo- both so, no, well, both they may have not, a chance to be five and dive. Yeah, they might not be – he might not be in the decisions, what I'm saying. Yeah. It may be the bullpen that you have to beat. So – but no, I don't. I doubt if the Cardinals score any off of maybe somebody did a solo homer or something like that. But that's they're not going to put innings together against this guy. I don't think, especially first time out. Jess, uh, former star SEMO wide receiver Ryan Flournoy was invited to the NFL Combine. He'll be working out, I believe, tomorrow. If you if you are addicted to that stuff, NFL Network, you can watch him go through. Oh, I got uh, the NFL Network. His stuff on the Combine. Tomorrow on the SEMO Scramble, Rusty Hendricks wants us to let you know that they will be having on Andy Phillips. He's a former NFL player. He is a draft analyst, and he's going to give his thoughts on the possibility of Ryan Flournoy being drafted. So that's Andy Phillips tomorrow, 9.30. The SEMO Scramble uh, gets underway at 9 o'clock, and at 9.30 you can hear I from... I think you will get an opportunity. And the reason why I say that is I think years ago, and let's be honest about this, years ago the NFL looked at if you played at Lipskin University or some school that's not recognized as a top 10 type school, you didn't get much of a chance. You didn't get much of a look because they didn't believe anything you were doing was successful. It was just like Capitol Park. When Steve Williams and some of the big sluggers that played at Capitol Park were hitting home runs, they discounted it because of the length of the fences. That may be before your time. But never mind that they were hitting the ball 40 feet over the fence. It wasn't like they were chip-shot homers, you know. So they got no credit for that. And I think they've, they've opened their eyes, the NFL and all Major League Sports, that you could have a severely good talent playing even at a Division two school or NAI school, stuff like that. So I think you get a better look now than you used to. So I think Florinor will get a good look. And I think he's got the talent to move on, don't you? It's a deep wide receiver class with this draft, and I think there's a good shot that he does get drafted. I, I He's pretty good. All right. Kyle Gibson um, made his debut yesterday, Jess. Started, pitched two innings. The first batter of the game for the Washington Nationals, Lane Thomas, home run off Gibson. The next batter, center fielder James Wood, home run. <coughs> Don't you like of, James Wood? Off of Gibson, yes. And two wild pitches by Gibson, including one that, Came with a runner at third who scored the run. So those were the three runs the Washington Nationals got. Two in the first off Gibson, one in the second. Cardinals had just five hits of the 30 Major League Baseball teams. The St. Louis Cardinals are the only team that has not hit a home run in spring training. The only one. Well, yeah, Woods got it's three. Early. It's early. The center fielder homers already got three himself. Yeah, it's, it's early, but I think, you know, during the season, you're going to see a lot of home runs given up by the Cardinals. Uh, I think the Lance Lynn's going to give up a flock of homers, you know that. 
And probably Gibson will, too. long as there's solo homers, it's not the end of the right. world. Right. Robin Roberts used to give up a lot of home runs. Warren Spahn, but they were solo shots. Fergie Jenkins you wind up, gave up a lot game, of home you're, runs. You're beat. You know, you still get beat. But the Cardinals right now, they're, they're you know, they're, just, they're not hitting. And that, that's okay. It doesn't make any difference. About the home runs and spring training, or nothing like that. It's I don't even bother watching much of it. I just like to watch it to see how Leon Sharstop makes some win looks, and uh, he got a double yesterday and uh, hit down the right field line. And he made a really good play on a high chopper over the mound defensively. Yeah, and, and he can fly. Let's face it, he could steal his freshman year, or rookie year. He could steal 30 to 40 bases for the Cardinals. I don't think he could steal 50 or 60 because I don't think he'll get on that much. He's not a good enough hitter yet. It's just like Ozzy. When Ozzy Smith, in his young career, was a, was a great base stealer, but he didn't get on as much. He was a guy that could break the bat off in his hand. He just wasn't strong. But as years moved on, Ozzy got very much stronger, and he became a lot better hitter. And... So maybe that'll happen to Mason win also, but he looks good. I don't know if he'll make it or not, but he does look good. I do like the signing of Brandon Crawford, though. I do I always liked him. Uh, Gold Glover from San Francisco Giants, shortstop, three-time All-Star, won two World Series. So he knows he knows how to play the position, and he I think he will help Mason win a lot. I think the Cardinals jumped at that chance to get Brandon Crawford for his his excellent play. He can go in there and still help you, Eric. He's not over the hill. Completely. And go look how many times he was on the injured list last year, and he hit 193, tried to play through stuff. He's not. He's healthy now. We'll get a really good look at what's left in the tank for a guy who's won two World Series. He's... Won four gold gloves, and he's a three-time All-Star. Well, he's a protection. And I'm sure Brandon Crawford could slide over and play second. Do you have any doubt about that? No. He, he's, he could play second if you need him there. I think he'll get a lot of playing time. I think he, it will advance the career of Mason Wynn just by sitting and talking to this guy. I mean, he's a veteran that was very, very good at his position. And so I, I like that sign by the Cardinals and uh, – but I think he'll get more playing time than people maybe expect. Jess, hello? I, what did he get him for? Do you know uh, what kind of salary? $2 million. Well, see, that's a bargain in these days. Hello to the uh, radiant and ravishing uh, Dawn Sean. Jess, she, uh, she's headed back to work today, tonight. Uh, so she's had a few days off to relax. And uh, hopefully she has a wonderful weekend. We've got baseball today, 3 o'clock, SEMO and Toledo. You got a final weekend nugget for us? Yeah, I want to say hi to my girls down in Texas and Columbia and Cape with Neva running around here. She's uh, going to make me some chili one of these days, she says. So, boy, she makes good chili. And uh, my boys are, I don't know where they're at, they're, but they're locally running around here in Cape somewhere. Jackson. I'm going to kill the week with this one. If you want to change the way people respond to you, change the way you respond to people. Boy, I believe that. Don't you? If you want to change the way people respond to you, 
Change the way you respond to people. That was written by Timothy Leary. And so, Timmy, thanks for that one. Thank you, Timbo. And I'll tell you what, folks, try a little kindness this week. may work for you. Jess, we will uh, see you over at the ballpark, and we'll reconvene here on Monday. Looking forward. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up on ESPN Radio. Have a terrific weekend, everybody. Uh-huh.